0: I'm your host, Austin O'Gregory, and this week, we are continuing our Galatian study with our episode titled today, Flesh versus Spirit. If you have not done so yet, take a minute as you're listening and rate this podcast in your podcast feed, whether that's Apple or Spotify. Also, click the links in the description to follow our Facebook page and Instagram. Along with that, this is a podcast by The Bridge Church. Our goal is to provide resources for you on your walk with Jesus. So, check out our website, also listed below, where there we will have links to the podcast, As well as some blog posts that we've been turning out consistently. Right now, we have a four part series on hell on our blog. Right now, we cover the four differing views the church has on hell, and I give my best effort to examine them, appreciate them, and help us develop a better view of hell that is more in line with Scripture. Along with that, thank you for listening. Enjoy this episode of Into the Fray. What are the benefits of being a Christian? Do you think that Christians naturally have a limited mindset? What I mean by that last question is, as a Christian, do you truly feel free to live? Or do you feel bound by the laws and the customs of the way of Jesus? Is life more about living in the blessings of God or is it about what God has called you away from? Paul says in Galatians 5.1, Christ has truly set you free. Now make sure that you stay free. Don't get tied up again to a yoke of slavery. Notice his words there. Paul says we have been set free, but we must make sure that we stay free and not get tied back into the slavery Christ has set us free from. Now, why would anyone in their right mind want to go back into a life of slavery? What freed man would want to be put in shackles again? I remember in 2019 i went through a season of deconstructing my faith and the reason why i deconstructed my faith was because what well, i'd grown accustomed to believing and promoting as true christianity had many holes in it there are many times i would have to ignore the contradictions i was making in order to have this all make sense in the way i'd come to believe christianity was supposed to work one of the more pivotal areas of my deconstructing was my realization that i had been set free by christ yet felt more comfortable with myself living in the prison cell than out in the freedom Christ actually had for me, I was so torn up inside by my own feelings of self-doubt insecurity, and an over anxious spirit and self-hate that when Jesus had came into my life, and opened the doors to set me free, I had to make the choice on whether to step out of the cell. To which over the years I found that I had not. Even when it came to my life of battling sin, though Christ had set me free to live life following Jesus, learning to live the way He did. All I could do was put those shackles back on me because I was only focused on what I could not do. For many of us, we have grown up in an evangelical world where sin wins. Not only does our daily theology show that by how we settle in our Christian lives and do not seek to thrive, but we even believe this in an eschatological sense, meaning our view of the end is one of sin winning. Now, you may say, Austin, who the heck believes sin will win in the end times? Now I would say anyone who believes that sin is going to overcome the kingdom of God on this earth, if in the grand narrative of the Bible, you believe that in the trajectory of where our world is headed, that people are more and more walking away from Jesus and the world is getting worse and worse, then, yeah, you believe sin will win. I'm going to lay this out a little bit, and this is a little off script, but the reason I say you believe sin will win is because even though you believe Jesus came and altered the course of history, you believe that the world's gonna get worse even after Jesus has came. Right? So the in the grand narrative of the Bible, you see that from Genesis to the New Testament, sin has pervaded the earth. It has uh, taken over, is to control the forces of darkness are winning, right? Jesus comes in, and he's supposed to change that. He's supposed to put it. He's supposed to defeat sin on the cross. But for so many of us, we believe that even after Jesus raises from the dead, that the world's just gonna get worse and worse. That that life, beauty, the light doesn't spread. That even though part of being a Christian is you're making disciples, you're spreading the light in the darkness. You believe that somehow over time, gradually, the darkness will still overcome the light. That doesn't make sense in the biblical narrative sense. And that's what I mean by some of us believe sin will win in the end. Now, that's just food for thought. <laughs> but how many of you believe hell will be more full than heaven. And if you do believe hell will be more full than heaven, how does that affect your evangelism? How does that affect you spreading the gospel, the good news? Now, I know that was a bit of a rabbit trail, but the point I'm making is there is a freedom in Christ that is often misunderstood. The Christian life should not be burdensome in the sense of every day you feel like you're barely making it by. The life Jesus offers is life to the full. He famously says that his yoke, meaning his teaching on how to live life, is easy and his burden is light. If you're feeling weighed down as a Christian, you feel spiritually depleted, and like you just got enough to make it to the end of the day, maybe I pose the question: What if you're still living in the jail cell, even though Christ has opened the doors for your freedom? Paul says in Galatians 5:13, "For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters." But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. Now, another way some of us may live in slavery while we are still free is by viewing our freedom. Viewing the loving and gracious arms of the Father as the gift of sin as much as we want. Because we're going to end up in heaven anyways. That's also another form of slavery so many of us will find ourselves in. Paul in Romans says, Should I continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. He answers his own question with a resounding no. When Jesus died for our sin, He calls us to die to our sin, He to put the old version of us to death, that the new may come to life. Why live in old patterns that get you nowhere, that don't satisfy your soul for the sake of doing whatever you want? Your wants need to be sacrificed. In other words, and this is where Paul is getting at in the latter part of Galatians, as he says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants and then the spirit gives us the desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires there are two forces at war within you and quickly i just want to lay out the two give you two give you categories to put these in and leave so what are the two forces within you the first is the flesh It's as John Mark Comer says, our most natural animalistic instincts. It's the urges you feel in your body to chase after whatever gets you aroused. It's the passions of your flesh that take over in a mere instance that you struggle to contain. It's the parts of you that are easy to fall into. The flesh, simply put, is your sinful nature. Sin is not just a choice we make. It's in our bones. It's a disease that is rotting us to the core, affecting every part of us, causing even our hearts, the place where our loves lie. To be the most untrusted part about us we cannot even trust what we love because we cannot trust why we really love it that is the full effect of sin the second is the spirit the spirit is not our nature the spirit is christ's spirit living inside of us awakening the dead parts of us to a new life the spirit though has some misunderstanding for many of us we have used language like just let the spirit take control Or, let's use the example of when we're fighting not to lust, we'll have that idea of just let the Spirit take control. The challenge, though, when we say that is that the Spirit is this force that we apparently hold back and then unleash on our life to control us into not falling into sin. And that's just not how the Spirit works. The Spirit of Jesus is probably more like a muscle. In the process of you working out in the gym, you never are actually struggling with not having muscles at all everybody has muscles. When you pick a heavy weight up that you're struggling with, it's not because you have no muscles. It's rather because the muscle you have in your body that you need to lift this weight with it hasn't been developed. It has not been used in a way that would allow you to curl the 50 pound dumbbell. Now, for many of us, our problem is not that we were never saved and thus that is why we do not feel the spirit in our lives. It's actually the fact that we do not train the spirit enough. We don't develop it and truly allow the spirit to grow into more and more areas of our lives. In the case of the gym scenario where you're trying to build muscle, you have a disciplined system that will get you the results you desire. This is not an uncommon reality. The same can be true for work. You are good at your job because you put the time into it. You studied the craft, you practiced, and now you are a master craftsman. The same is true with our spiritual lives. In Galatians 5, 19-21, Paul gives us a list of what he calls works of the flesh. When your sinful, animalistic nature is in control of your life, your life will look a certain way. Paul gives us some examples of that with acts such as sexual immorality, fits of anger, jealousy, envy, drunkenness. All acts that have a certain emotion or inclination that take control of our lives that Paul deems as evil. Fits of anger are not you at your best. It's you out of control causing chaos. Sexual immorality is you bringing that chaos into the sexual realm of your life, which can take many different forms, all of which demean the human we are sinning against as if they are someone not made in the image of God. And the more you track any of the other works of the flesh, you will see the chaos they bring. But just like how our flesh has results for the work it does, the spirit of Christ has fruits, meaning an apple tree will bear apples, not bananas. reason why is because it's an apple tree, not a banana tree. If you are truly a Christian, you will bear fruit because the spirit of Jesus lives inside of you. The question you must ask yourself or even others in your life is, where is the fruit? Paul, likewise, gives us examples of the type of fruit we will see, saying things like, joy, and peace, and self-control. The spirit is not going to magically overnight give you joy. Rather, the spirit of joy, which is like a muscle, it's already there. The question you must ask is, how is that muscle, or how is the fruit of joy in my life playing out? How is it showing up? If it's not there, and you truly care to fix it, Don't question your salvation. The fact that you care about whether you had the fruits or not is a good sign you have the Spirit, as the Spirit is longing in you for the fruit to appear. What you then must do is develop a practice to be a person of joy. This is not you earning your salvation. This is you working it out, as Paul says. To be good at anything, you must have practices. Disciplines instilled in your life is to get you the results you wish to see. If you don't see the joy you should have in your life as a Christian, make some practices. Wake up in the morning, give thanks immediately for the breath you just breathed. Do that for 21 days and see if it makes a difference in your overall mood. If you struggle with self-control, practice doing hard things that you don't want to do. For many, that may be exercising. So what you can do is exercise for 30 minutes a day for 21 days, and then reflect on whether you see self-control in your life or not. The Christian life is not winging it, and it's not a limited mindset. We don't live, as Christians, focused on what we cannot do. I cannot sleep with my girlfriend, or I cannot fight this punk who pulled out in front of me. Rather, focus on what Christ is giving you the freedom to do. Jesus opens up our world in unimaginable ways. Sometimes we are just too blind to see. But even that is not because he didn't cure us by giving us sight. It's rather because we still have not opened our eyes to see what freedom Christ truly has for us. Also, I want to give a shout-out to Archer. He is one of our kids in youth who has really just, I mean, he's been one of the the highlights of my week in youth. And uh, just last Wednesday, he said that he had listened to the latest episode of the podcast in the Galatians series, and he was asking when the next episode was coming out. And I just wanted to chime in here real quick and say, not only thank you, Archer, for listening, but thank you for just being such a great uh, student and youth man. Like I, I genuinely love what you, the the growth I've seen in you as an individual over the years, and uh, you, you are one of the ones who makes teaching and leading in youth really worth it because you have just been. Uh, you, you're a joy, man. You you make use fun.